Well, good morning. It is so good to be back here. Two Sundays ago, I wasn't able to be here. I was in isolation. We'd had some uh, contact tracing, so to be safe, we had to be in isolation, but we tested negative, thank goodness. And then uh, last week, I was out of town. We were up visiting my parents up near Cleveland, so I was trudging through over a foot of snow up there uh, after, after our, our snowstorm here. So, but it is good to be back. If you have your Bibles with you, if you wouldn't mind, open up to Mark chapter 8. We're going to be resting in Mark 8 for pretty much the entirety of the message today. Last week, we started this little two-week mini-series called Second Chances. And when it comes to a new year, you know, we often think of it as a a fresh start, a do-over. You know, it's time to hit reset. We think of it as an opportunity for a second chance. And so when I was preparing this message, I originally thought we'd be focusing in on Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3 is this great passage where the Apostle Paul says, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so I originally thought we'd go there with it. Because um, that's just such a fitting second chance passage. Forget what's in the past strain toward, move forward, pressing on toward the goal, a second chance. But I started thinking about it a little more, and there's this this passage in Mark 8 where there's this unique healing that Jesus did, and it really jumped out to me. And so if you have your Bibles, again, let's look at Mark 8. It's going to be verses 22 through 26. It says this. It says they, talking about Jesus and his disciples, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man, And begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. So if you guys uh, ever go on Pinterest or if you Google the words life hacks, you're going to find all these ways that people have come up with to make life easier or, or how you can use things that are around your house to accomplish certain tasks that might cost you a lot of money, but you already have all this stuff at home. One of the things, though, you can find when you look up life hacks is you can find some ways to to deal with productivity, how to make your work more efficient, how to optimize your day. Tips, again, to be more proficient. And some examples would be in your work, if you're working on something, turn off distractions. That's a good recommendation, right? Uh, Take breaks often. One of them I really like is called batch process. What this means is that if your day demands, uh, if your demands of your day include some routine tasks, try to group similar tasks together and then schedule certain times to knock them out. For example, you know, uh, set aside two to three times a day to check and respond to emails instead of just getting them every time they chime in, check them. Just set aside two to three times or return phone calls only at like 11.30 and 4.30. But one productivity type tip that I, that I find really interesting is this concept called never touch something twice. Never touch something twice. For example, you take this, this piece of paper here. You get handed this piece of paper and it represents some task you need to do, some bill you need to pay, some decision you need to make. And so once you're handed it and you review it, what happens to a lot of us? We, we, we go, hmm, I don't want to do this right now. 
And so we, we shove it back into a stack of papers and we think we're going to get to it later. But, but you know you need to do it. You, you, got, you got other tasks to do. And then in the meantime, when you've set this down, you're handed, you're handed more papers. But in the back of your mind, you still have this task hanging out over your head. And so what happens is you, you spent, the first time you touch it, you spent two minutes holding it already and reviewing it. And then the next time you think about it, you, so you pull it out again and you go over it and, and take some more time. But you think, oh, I just don't have time to deal with it right now. So you put it back and you keep doing this. And what happens is you just waste a whole bunch of time. And so the idea is that the first time you touch it, you're not going to put it down until you either do something with it or do something about it. And maybe that simply means putting it in your calendar that you're going to, when you're going to take care of it, or maybe it means you delegate it to someone else. But doesn't that sound like a great business practice? Never touch something twice. Clearly, Jesus didn't really care about this life hack, (laughs) I'm not sure if he really cared too much about productivity because in this miracle in Mark chapter 8, he's touching this guy twice. And this morning, I want to suggest to you as we wrap up this little mini-series called Second Chances that, that many of you might think that you need a second chance this new year. But what would be better, what, what you really need is a second touch. So let's get a little bit of background on this miracle. Here's a few things you should know before we get into this healing. First, this is the only time this miracle is recorded in Scripture. So the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all give us historical accounts of the life of Jesus, and oftentimes there's overlap. The same stories are are told in different Gospels, but they're kind of told from a, a different perspective, which is really cool for us, right? We get to read it from a different perspective. But this miracle is only recorded in the Gospel of Mark. Second thing, in the Gospel of Mark, there were only three occasions where Jesus withdrew from people to heal someone. We we see it in Mark chapter 5, in the raising of Jairus' daughter. We see it in Mark 7, with the healing of the deaf mute. And then we see it here in Mark 8, with the healing of this blind man. But third, the, the most unique thing, I think, about this healing is that this is the only time Jesus does a miracle in movements or in, in phases. And you might think, well, what about in John chapter 9? There's this, this miracle where Jesus took some, uh, some mud, made some mud with some dirt and saliva. He placed it on a blind man's eyes and then had him go to a, a pool of Siloam and wash it all off. And then he could see. And so that's probably the closest we have to a healing that happened in movements But what I'm getting here is that there there wasn't a a partial healing in John 9 and then a total healing when he did something a second time. The the whole thing happened, the whole healing happened when he washed at the pool. But here's what we find in this miraculous healing. It's like Jesus intentionally left some unfinished business. So Jesus spit on the guy's eyes, and and, and I know that's just weird, right? Let's just get that out of the way right now. This is obviously pre-COVID, okay? So he spits on the guy's eyes, and then he puts his hands on the man, and he says, do you see anything? And the guy's like, well, I, I do. It's just I don't see very clearly. He says, I see people. They look like trees walking around. So obviously we, we know that this guy had seen at one point, right? Because he wouldn't know what trees looked like if, if he had never seen before. So he's like, Larry over there, I hear his voice, but he looks like an elm tree. And that guy, Frank over there, waving his arms, he looks like a palm tree. So, so he's, he can't quite see exactly what he's supposed to be seeing. Several years ago, 
I was, uh, I was getting the girls ready to take them to school. And uh, my oldest, Olivia, she was probably in first or second grade at this time. And so I was getting them ready and we were about to go out the door and I went to give her a hug and I reached down to give her a hug and she reached up to give me a hug. And when she reached up her hand, her, her, her finger went straight into my eye, straight in and oh, it hurt so bad. And so for the rest of the day, my eye was watery and it was blurry and it was just awful for that day. And, and I can imagine if, if she would have poked me in the other eye too, that that blurred vision is, is maybe what this guy was seeing at that point. Couldn't see very clearly. And so what we're seeing in this passage is that Jesus has done his first act of healing, but the miracle isn't done yet. Again, there's never been a single other time recorded in scripture where Jesus went to do a miracle, went to do a healing, and he performed a miracle, and he stepped back, and it wasn't completely done. So what's happening here then? Like, is this guy's condition worse than any Jesus had ever seen before? I don't think so. I mean, he raised someone from the dead. I think being dead is probably worse than being blind. I've never been either, so I can't, I can't attest to that, but I kind of imagine. And when Jesus healed, or when Jesus raised the man from the dead, it happened at his command. Lazarus, come out. Like, Lazarus wasn't coming out of the tomb mostly dead, fully alive, not fully alive, right? So, no, this miracle... This miracle happened, you know, when he raised someone from the dead, completely at Jesus' command, in one shot. But this guy, in Mark 8, he gets touched by Jesus, and he can kind of see, but, but not clearly. So what's going on here? Or more importantly, what's not going on here? So this is, this is not Jesus needing a do-over. This isn't Jesus having a bad day, or Jesus not getting enough sleep. This isn't Jesus losing his power or Jesus needing a Snickers bar, right? He's not hangry here. <laughs> He's not having a bad day. So, so this then is what we're left with, that Jesus meant to do this, that Jesus intentionally left this miracle undone. He meant to mess it up. And get this, he was seemingly, he was seemingly willing to walk away, leaving this man with unfinished business, partial visibility. Why? Well, we know that Jesus didn't just do things without a purpose. And so that means he intended from the beginning to touch this man twice. Now he wanted to heal this man's eyes, just like the man's friends wanted, right? And let's just take a moment to appreciate the fact that this miracle would not have happened had it not been for the faithfulness of this blind man's friends. Verse 22 says that some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And so what did Jesus do when, when these people begged him to touch this man? It says he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. He held his hand and took him outside the village. Again, let's take a moment to appreciate that Jesus took the man by the hand. So we just celebrated Christmas. And to me, one of the most amazing names for Jesus, it was revealed by the prophet Isaiah, but Matthew points it out in, in his telling of the Christmas story. It's this name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. I love that name for Jesus. God took on flesh. He walked with us, walked among us, reached out, and he took the hands of the people and he led them. And I'm telling you, this isn't just stuff that he did when he walked the earth. He still reaches out his hand to lead you and me. Will we take his hand though? So Jesus 
leads this man by the hand outside of the village of Bethsaida. And this is where this miracle begins. But again, it happens in, in phases, one round at a time. Why? Well, context is everything. So in the greater context of this chapter in Mark, Jesus had been trying to get his disciples to understand that they are blind and that the, the Pharisees were blind. So let's talk about what's been going on leading up to this miracle. So at the beginning of Mark chapter eight, for the second time, Jesus feeds thousands of people. The first time it was the feeding of the 5,000. Here in Mark eight, it's the feeding of the 4,000. And each time Jesus had his disciples go around the crowds that were following him and scrounge up as much food as they could. And with both of these miracles, there was just a little bit of food, a little bit of bread and fish, basically only enough to maybe feed a handful of people. And Jesus multiplied what was brought to him and everyone went away with full stomachs and the disciples collected plenty of leftovers. And so after this feeding of the 4,000, Jesus and his disciples, they get into a boat and Jesus then begins to warn them about the Pharisees. They're not worth following. He says to watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. And when the disciples heard him say the word yeast, they started thinking about bread. They realized that they hadn't brought enough bread for, the, for this boat ride. They only brought one loaf of bread, not enough for all of them to eat. And then leading up to our text for today, this is what we read in verse 17 of Mark 8. It says, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand are your hearts hardened? I love this. He says, do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Well, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Jesus is going, are, are you blind? Why are you so worried about not having bread? I fed thousands of people with scraps. I think I can take care of you 12. In other words, don't you see who I am? How, how are you not seeing what is right in front of you? He says, do you have eyes but fail to see? You're worried about not having enough bread in front of the bread of life. Jesus said, do you not, still not understand? It's, it's like you can see, but you can't. You're, you're blind, but you're not blind. So that, that's the context. This is what precedes this miraculous healing. So what is it that Jesus is trying to get them and, and, and us to see? I think he wants us to realize that it is possible to be at a place in life where you are not quite blind, but you can't quite see. It is possible to be at a place in life where you are not quite blind, but you can't quite see. And I got to tell you, I truly believe that this is where the majority of American Christians live today. And for some reason, we're okay with that. We're content with that. We're, we're all right with that. For most Christians, for most of us here today, at one point in your life, God touched you. He, he did something dramatic in your life at one point. And you cried out to Jesus. You asked him to save you. You jumped in that water and God did a miraculous work. He did a miraculous work in your life. But for some reason, that's where many of us stopped. So we're saved, but we can't figure out why we're so purposeless in life. We, we can't understand why we don't have joy, why we don't have 
peace, why we feel so restless. We're, we're saved, but we kind of get annoyed with obeying God. We, f- we feel like his, his commands are a burden, like he's holding us back, like he's just trying to make our lives miserable with his rules. We see generosity as a chore and sharing our faith is just a, it's an obligation rather than an overflow. We're saved, but we pursue the same things that the unsaved pursue. We've been forgiven, but for some reason, we, we can't seem to forgive others. And sometimes we don't even want to forgive them. We're saved and we love other people. I mean, as long as they're easy to love. As long as they are nice or grateful or walk like us, talk like us, act like us. We, we thought this, this touch from Jesus would stop all of the anger in our life, but we just can't control it. It just keeps boiling over. And so we were dead, but now we're alive. We were blind, but now we see. It's just that we don't see the way we should see. But we see. And that's a dangerous place to be because you can be so mesmerized with the fact that you can actually see that you stop asking to see more, that you don't ask for a second touch. And I believe we are in desperate need of a second touch from Jesus. But many of us, we are just living our lives stuck between touches. But what if there's more? What, what if there's more? Like, like you think you've experienced all that there is, but God is over here and he's wanting you to see more. He has something more for you. Something that is immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. But you're content with just seeing people looking like trees. I love what Paul says. We read it earlier when he was quoting from Isaiah. He writes, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared For those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. He wants to reveal these things to us. And we should be able to see them. But we've just been content with one touch. You know, if you look back in Jewish history, rabbinical literature of the day shows that people believed that there were medicinal qualities in the saliva of respected rabbis. That that their spit had some healing properties to it. It was thought that, you know, like your mama, spit can fix anything, right? Let me get that for you. Oh, oh, let me fix that hair for you. I, I haven't gotten that in a long time. Uh, is that on your face? Let me, you know, let me give it a little kiss. It'll heal. And so in this miracle, Jesus is a respected rabbi and Jesus was using what people thought was secure. What people thought would do the trick When he first touched the man, he used his saliva. Well, what do we use to feel fulfilled in life? What do we seek to bring us comfort? Who do we look to today for our security? I think in our world, we we seek wealth. We seek things and stuff. We seek glory for ourselves. We seek recognition. We we look to all these self-help methods. And all of these things are supposed to help us, right? Right? The spit of a rabbi is supposed to heal. And for a little while, you know, that we're, we're happy with that new phone. We feel good after we get that raise. We feel better when we get recognized. But it just never seems to be enough. We get everything the world tells us to get. And yet, we see a bunch of trees when we're supposed to be seeing people. 
So what do we do? How, how do we move being, you know, past being stuck between touches? How do we receive a second touch and begin to see clearly? I think the first thing is this. You got to start with admitting you can't see clearly. Admit you can't see clearly. We, we are people who don't like to admit when something is wrong. We think we have to have it all together. When someone asks, how are you doing? You know, we give that normal Christian answer. Oh, I'm just blessed. Oh, just blessed, right? And, and then we pose and we pose and we pose and we take 48 pictures before we'll post just the right picture that makes us look good, that makes it look like we've got the perfect kids, that we've got the perfect marriage, that we're perfect parents. And we're just faking it. But we won't admit it because we can see just enough to know that things should be better, but our pride keeps us from admitting that they aren't better. This man in Mark 8 is brought before Jesus, and Jesus, again, takes him by the hand. Jesus drops everything, takes the man by the hand, and touches him. Now, come on, this is not the angry Jesus that many of you grew up hearing about. This is not the angry Jesus who is always mad at you that some of you heard about when you were growing up. This, this is the real Jesus. This is the Jesus of the Bible. This is the Jesus who takes you by the hand because you can't see. And he'll meet you where you are today. Are you struggling today? Are you still working off a hangover today? Were you up late looking at porn last night? He will take you by the hand He loves you right where you are, but he loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you there either. Is your marriage in shambles today? Are you struggling with same-sex attraction today? Have you had an abortion? Were you screaming at your kids on the way to church this morning and then you walked in the church saying, I'm blessed, I'm just blessed. And you're thinking, get to your class, right? (laughs) He will take you by the hand. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. So he takes this man by the hand, walks him out the, outside of the city, and touches him. And this guy can see, sort of, partially. Now listen, we have no indication that Jesus let on that there was anything more in store after this first touch. It's, it's almost like he was just ready to walk away. He asks, do you see anything? And this guy's kind of in a difficult spot, right? I mean, have you ever gotten a a gift from somebody and it's not a great gift, right? And and the person is like, so what'd you think? Do you you like it? Do you like it? Huh? Do you like it? And you're like, oh yeah, gee, thanks. It's just what I wanted, Aunt Ethel. I I love this bright neon pink and orange sweater you got me. I mean, it's going to go great with the bright green pants you got me last year. And and so we, we just fake it. It's great. It's great. This guy, I mean, he's got to be grateful that he can even see anything, right? So shouldn't he just be polite and accept this healing for what it is? But this man is honest with Jesus. He admits he still can't see clearly. He says, I see people, but they they look like trees walking around. Things just aren't as clear as they should be. What if he would have said, oh, I'm I'm fine. It's, It's all good when it wasn't. Pride would have kept this man saying, oh wow, Jesus, I, I, I see colors. It's so bright. I'm just blessed. So blessed. Thank you. But he was willing to admit he couldn't see completely. 
And you and I, we can't be helped. We can't be helped to see until we admit we can't all the way see. And guys, I'm I'm praying today that God would awaken in us this boldness to say, it's not fine. I'm I'm not fine. Not everything is okay. Why would we get a second touch from Jesus when we keep trying to convince everyone else, including ourselves, that the first touch was enough? So we need to admit we can't see clearly. Secondly, don't be satisfied. Now, some of you hear this, that I'm saying don't be satisfied, and you're having a hard time reconciling this statement with Scripture because we're told in Scripture to be content, right? But, but being content is, in Scripture is more talking about being content with what you do and don't have materially, being content in all external circumstances, being content, being satisfied in Jesus no matter what is going on around us. But when we aren't seeing clearly, We shouldn't be satisfied. When you've been a Christian for 15 years and you just feel stuck and you're asking, is this all there is? You shouldn't be satisfied. If you've been a Christian for years, but you're still drinking milk rather than eating meat, spiritually speaking, you shouldn't be satisfied. And so if you're having a a hard time reconciling this, let me just remind you that we serve a God who provides us with our daily bread. That means that yesterday's bread is gone and it's eaten. And so today, you have to ask for something new. That's what Jesus told us to pray, right? Give us today our daily bread. And so you've got to ask for it. You've got to seek the second touch. I've heard it said that you don't have everything God wants you to have. You have everything you've asked for and not a bit more. Scripture puts it this way. You don't have because you do not ask. So if you're like me, maybe you've been at a point with your relationship with God where you've been asking, is this all there is? Like, I I thought there would be more. And God is going, oh, you want more? I've just been waiting for you to ask. So do you feel dry today? You feel tired today? You feel like you're at the end of your rope today? You feel blind, like things just aren't very clear today? Good. Then maybe you aren't satisfied. And maybe you are ready to see clearly. Maybe you are ready for God to fill you once again. Maybe you are ready for a second touch. Church, I I believe that Jesus is not done with you. But if you're standing over here going, I'm okay. I mean, I, I can pretty much see, like, the trees look like people, but, but I'm fine. Then you will always be stuck between touches. Don't be satisfied with where you are at. Don't be satisfied with seeing blurly, blurry when there is a savior who wants to give you a second touch, when you can see clearly. And so here's what we find in the second touch that makes life so much more fulfilling. With the first touch, I can see. With the second touch, I can see others. In the first touch, it's about what you can see. In the second touch, it's who you can see. The first touch is God doing something for me. The second touch is God doing something through me. It is moving from selfish, unfulfilled living to living on mission. Jesus touched the man once and he saw people, but they looked like silhouettes, like, like, like trees. But when Jesus touched him again, 
As he pulled his hand away, what was the very first thing that this man saw clearly? The first face that this man saw clearly was the face of Jesus at the second touch. So I want to challenge you to to seek, to pray for, to ask for more than just a second chance. Let's seek a second touch. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are, there are so many of us living life, living as, as Christians who have been saved, and yet we're walking around with blurred vision. We feel so stuck, so dissatisfied in life, so unfulfilled, so purposeless. We're carrying around a bunch of guilt and shame, or we're carrying with us unforgiveness, and we can't seem to forgive where we're living for material possessions rather than really living for you. We're not sharing our faith. And when we do, we just, we feel like it's, it's out of obligation. Like, like we really have to, but we don't really want to. And we are, we are just stuck, many of us. It's like we received a, a touch from you and then we stopped there. And so God, I pray that we would have the boldness to admit that this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not what you intended for our lives. This is not the life you are wanting us to live, that you have more for us in store. That you want us to have eyes that see. And so God, I pray that we would not be satisfied with where we're at. That we would not be satisfied with lukewarm living we would not be satisfied with a joyless life, with always feeling anxious, never at peace, but always restless. That we wouldn't be satisfied with praising you with our lips and then walking away from you with our actions. That God, you would do a work in us, that you would touch us once again. So I thank you for this, what seems like such a strange healing in this Bible that we read, this, this story that we read where Jesus touched the man twice. But I pray that we could see some parallels in our lives, that we've been walking around spiritually blind and you want to open our eyes, that you have more in store for us. So God, I pray that we would seek more and more and more of you and that you would touch us and we could see you clearly. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And so I realized this morning I've been talking really primarily to people who are Christians, right? And, and that we need to seek that second touch. But, but there may be some in here who need that first touch, that, that touch of salvation where Jesus does a work in your life and saves you. And so scripturally, what we, we, what we look at in, in the life of someone who's saved is someone who is, has confessed, who believes in Jesus and has confessed him as Lord, repents of their life and their sin, repents, turning away from, from the life that they once lived and turning towards Jesus and follows through with baptism. This beautiful picture of being dead and buried to your sins and coming up alive, new creation. And so if you've never had that first touch from Jesus, we want to invite you to respond to the gospel today, to respond to Jesus. So I'm going to be up here to your right as we sing this last song and would love to talk to you more about what that means.
But that's not the only decision. You know, we, we always have this up here on the screen. There's several responses you can make. There's, there's a response to, to Jesus for a first time in salvation and trusting in his saving work. There, there's the response of partnering with us in a church, as a church. There, there's this response of, of doing something with your faith and joining a group maybe or, or getting on mission for him. There's this response of just having someone pray for you. And maybe you're at that point in life where you just feel like you, you are seeking that second touch, but you just feel so stuck. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you today. So whatever that decision is, whether it's public or private, uh, I'm going to be up here to your right if you'd like to talk about what that next step would be as we stand and sing this song. So we stand and sing.